We are at the sixth word, and it's found in Luke 23, 46. There it says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. You know, I thought about that all week long. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And as I grappled with that statement, I started asking a question. The question is, is Jesus choosing his moment to die here? Is he like in control of his death? Is he choosing to die and does he die? You know? And when you think about it, and you think about this statement that he makes, you think, could he be really choosing the moment in which he dies? And as I thought about that statement, I began to read further in verse 6. And it says this, when he had said these things, he breathed his last. So he does die. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and he dies. I've been at the bedside of many, and I've never had anybody say out loud, I'm going to die right now, and they died. It's never been my experience at all. But those who were standing at the cross that day heard Jesus Christ make that statement. Father, into your hands I commit. Jesus is saying, I commit my spirit, and he dies. So as I began to grapple more with the whole verse, thinking to myself that Jesus is actually in control of his death, I began to search even deeper because I wanted to make sure that this is the truth of what was taking place. And when I look in, looked deeper into the verse, I found, yes, this is the truth. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That word commit literally means to deposit something. It's a banking term. It's when we take something that's valuable to us and we deposit it, whether it's our paycheck, whether it's our life savings, whether it's our jewelry, our valuables, and we take them to the bank and we deposit them in the bank. And we put them in that bank because we believe that that bank is trustworthy and faithful to keep what we've committed to them. What Jesus is saying here is this. He's saying, Father, into your hands I deposit my spirit. I deposit my spirit in the hands of my father because he's faithful, he's trustworthy, and he can keep what I've committed to him until that day. That's what Jesus is doing. I want you to know he's doing it. It's not being done to him. When we die, die death comes and it takes us. But it didn't take Jesus. It wasn't happening to him. This is something that he decided. This is something that he chose to do. He was doing it. It wasn't being done to him. So the point is this, Jesus Christ gave his life, no one took it from him. Jesus gave his life, no one took it from him. Based on this verse, that is true as well as a number of other verses, but when you look at the Gospels, or recently maybe you've looked, watched The Passion again, or gone to the movie The Son of God, and when you've gone to those movies, whether you're watching it on the screen or reading it from the Gospels, it's easy to believe that 
Jesus didn't give his life. It was taken from him. It was taken. The Pharisees, as you know, they come, they plot against him. They make sure he's arrested. Then they put a mockery, a trial together, and then finally he's brought out to the Roman authorities or brought to the Roman authorities, and the authorities take him and crucify him. And as the drama unfolds, you you begin to figure out that it's not just the Pharisees, but Judas was involved. He sold out Jesus, betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver, and then once they got through all of that drama, they bring Jesus to Pilate. And Pilate's there, and it seems that he has the authority. He has the power to take the life of Christ. But I remind you what it says over in John. John chapter 19, 9 and 11, it says this. Pilate saying this to Jesus. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. In other words, Jesus was saying, if Pilate, you knew who I am and whose I am, you would know that you are not in control. My father is. And the only thing that you can do to me, the only thing you're going to be able to do to me is going to be allowed by my father. But Pilate doesn't want to make the decision. So he takes Jesus out into the people. And he brings out Barabbas, who's a murderer, and Jesus, who is, of course, the person who brings life. And I'm sure that Pilate is believing that the people are going to choose Barabbas to be crucified. But they begin to yell for the blood of Christ that he be crucified. So he finally hands them over, gives the people what they want. He gives up Jesus. Jesus is taken, of course, by the Roman soldiers, and they drive nails into his hands and to his feet. And every time they're driving those nails into his body, you begin to think, all of this, all these players in this drama had the ability, had the power, had the authority to take the Lord Jesus' life. Oh, they participated, but they didn't have the power to take his life. For based on this verse, Jesus chose the moment he was going to die. He gave his life. No one took it from him. Yes, he died on a cross, but not because of it. It wasn't the cross or the nails that took Jesus' life. He wasn't a victim to someone's execution. No, he chose the moment. It wasn't... The Pharisees or Judas or Pilate or the Roman soldiers or any any one of those, Jesus chose to die. Remember who he is. He is the one who healed the sick. He healed the blind, the deaf, those who couldn't walk. He raised the dead. He had power over life and death. He could have sustained himself on the cross forever. It didn't matter what they did to him. He could have just continued to heal himself. He had that power, that authority. That's who he was. He had power and authority over all creation. We see that in his life. He had power and authority over the wind, over the, over the land, over people, over things, over animals. He had power over all things. He could have 
quickly just said, earth opened up and swallowed everybody that was trying to kill him. He had power over principalities. He released people. He, de- he delivered people. He had power. He could have sent down legions of angels to wipe out everybody and anything, principali- principalities included, and wiped everybody out. He could have taken the very oxygen out of their lungs and extinguished everybody a hundred mile radius from where he was being crucified. He had that power and authority. So why didn't he execute? Why didn't he exercise that power? Why did he hang on the cross? Why did he die? I was down with my aunt Sally. She's 97. She's a wonderful, unbelievable woman. I go down four times a year and I was down in February. I was doing her taxes and we were together, and I remember calling my aunt. She's amazing. And, and I said one time to her, I said, what are you doing, Aunt Sally? She says, I'm swimming. 97, swimming. I said, that's wonderful. I said, who are you swimming with? Well, I'm down at the pool, and I'm teaching kids how to swim. And I said, what kids? You live in a senior citizen's facility. She said, you know, the 70-year-olds that come down to the pool. <laughs> and I thought about it, and I thought, this is an amazing woman. And we're having conversation about the fact that Jesus died and was raised again from the dead, and we're having these conversations because there was a movie that was out, The Son of God. And we were talking about it, and we would go to lunch and dinner, and we would hear others talking about The Son of God, the movie. And people were saying some wonderful things about it, but there were those who would say this, why did Jesus have to die. Why did Jesus have to die? Well, someone said it this way. It wasn't the nails that held Jesus to the cross. It was his love for you. You know, that's half right. There's no doubt about it that he died on that cross. He stayed on that cross because he loved you and me. But if that's the only reason he died on the cross, then he was crazy. He was a lunatic. Now before you throw me under the bus for making that statement, hear me. Let me illustrate. Let's say that you are walking down by the Allegheny River with Jesus. And Jesus is looking at you and he's saying, I love you. And then all of a sudden he says, matter of fact, I'm going to prove it to you. And he dives into the water. And he opens up his mouth and sucks all the river water he can into his lungs and he drowns himself. If that happened, you would look at him and you would say, he's crazy. Why would he do that? And you'd be right. That's not the only reason why he died. Let me give you another scenario. Let's say that you're walking down the Allegheny, right alongside the Allegheny River, and Jesus is looking at you and he's saying to you, I love you. I love you, I love you, and I love you. And then you slip into the water, and you can't swim, and you're drowning. You're floundering in the water, and you're drowning, and then Jesus dives into the water. He grabs you, and he throws you up onto the shore. And because he's exhausted, because he had to fight with you to save you, he throws you up on the shore, and then he drowns. Now there's a whole other meaning to why he died. You would say, yes, he loved me. He died for me. He sacrificed himself for me. To what? 
to save me. See, Jesus didn't just die because he loved you. Oh, he loved you. But he died to save us all from our sin. That's why he died. Jesus was on a mission. The Father gave him a mission, and he was on that mission to come and seek and save that which is lost. And he came to die for the sins of all mankind. John the Baptist had it right. He came to take away the sin of the world. And he did it. And when he finally completed his mission, he finally said there the sixth word. Father, into your hands I deposit my spirit because I know you're faithful to keep what I've committed to you until that day. And he died. This Good Friday was bad for Jesus, but it's good for us all because Jesus Christ died on that cross because he loved you, but he died also to take away your sin. Those of us who transfer our trust from ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, he and he alone has the power and the authority to forgive you of your sin and to give to you eternal life. And this day, why it's so good to us is that Jesus Christ died, and those of us who have transferred our trust to him, we know that we're forgiven, and heaven will be our home because of what Jesus Christ did on that cross on this day that we celebrate. Remember, as you're breaking bread today, before you put your head on the pillow, Jesus gave his life. No one, no one took it from him. I read again what John chapter 10, verse 17 says, if I haven't read it already. Jesus said this, I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. No one took it. He gave it. And he gave it because he loves you. And he died for your sin so that you can know for certain that you're forgiven and that heaven will be your home. Amen. Let's pray together. Whether you'd like to sit or kneel, whatever your desire is, let us go before the Lord together. Heavenly Father, into your hands we commit our spirits. We give them up to you. You alone give the breath of life. You alone breathe on us by your Holy Spirit and make us new. The life which you gave us at birth and the life you gave us at our new birth comes from you. In trust and surrender, we yield our whole selves to you. Use us as and when and where you will. We are no longer our own. In glad surrender, we are yours. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.